I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz. And we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And y'all know I usually come on on Wednesday at 6 p.m. But we decided to do something special today and come on at Sunday. Ain't nothing like a Sunday, man, when you get up, man, and talk to your people. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk about what's going on. Now, the first story I want to discuss is a situation that happened out in Michigan. Where there was a teacher that violently grabbed a sixth grader because he didn't stand for the American flag. You know, that red, white, and blue flag with the stripes and the bars, that flag. The same flag that Colin Kaepernick will not pledge allegiance to. And we're gonna talk about what happened in St. Louis with the acquaint with the acquittal, pardon me of police officer Jason Stokely. We're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about more. I will see y'all on the other side, family. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be back. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. All right, family, we are back. And I want to announce a special giveaway that we're going to do. We're going to do it like this, family. I'm going to give away the combo pack of Elementary Genocide 1, the School to Prison Pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, 
the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. I'm going to give that to one of our listeners. All you have to do is go to iTunes and leave us a review and tell us what your favorite episode was. And then you take a screenshot of that view and you email it to us at NecessaryBlacknessPodcast at Gmail. So I'm going to do that for two individuals. We're going to pick two lucky winners. So I want everybody to go on iTunes, search Necessary Blackness Podcast, and leave us a review. And then take a screenshot of that review and email it to Necessary Blackness Podcast at Gmail. And shout out to my two lovely co-hosts. They are not joining me today. They will be with me next week. God is Fumi and Ashton Beyond. Shout out to those two lovely sisters. It tops our news here at 6. A teacher put on leave and under investigation for allegedly getting physical with a student who refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Student in question is a sixth grader at East Middle School in Farmington Hills. Priya Mann spoke with the boy and his father, who says they're finally getting some answers. Priya? Stone Cheney had just started his first week here at East Middle School, and now his family doesn't know if he'll be back. The sixth grader says he feels like his rights were violated when he didn't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. A teacher consultant comes up from behind me and snatches me out of my chair violently. What so, did you think at that point? I just, I was so confused. I didn't know what was going on. Stone Cheney says a homeroom teacher at East Middle School tried forcing him to stand during the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't stand for the pledge because I don't pledge to a flag. I pledge to God and my family. The alleged incident happened last Thursday. Cheney says the next day, another teacher yelled at him for sitting down during the pledge. I don't feel safe going to that school anymore because I don't know what they're going to do to me next. His father addressed the district directly during their last board meeting. It's his choice to sit. I don't make him sit. It's his choice. And they should respect that. Marine veteran Stephen Stevens sees things differently. I would like, I would love to be able to talk to them and, you know, try to get their side and try to explain my side so maybe we can come to an understanding because I understand that they have that right to do that, but I don't believe that they understand what that right really entails. If they're fighting for freedom and fighting for us to have choices, then it's our choice. And we did reach out to the Farmington Public Schools District. They released a statement. Let's get a portion of that up on your screen right now. It reads in part, the district fully supports the right of each student to participate or not in the daily pledge. The teacher allegedly involved in the incident has been placed on administrative leave. At this time, the district cannot speculate about the outcome of the pending investigation. And the woman who's being investigated is a teacher consultant, meaning she trains other teachers within the district. Reporting live, I'm Priya Mann, local four. See, this is what we deal with when we deal with the public school system in America. I was speaking with someone today, and they said to me, Raheem, we're not dealing with the school-to-prison pipeline. We're dealing with the community-to-prison pipeline. Because at some point, the community 
has to take control of the education of their children and stop sending them to our open enemies to educate. Now, I want to talk about the little video clip we just listened to. This young man said, I pledge to God and family. This young man is 10 years old and he know the truth about that flag. He know about the third verse that is hardly talked about. And that third verse says, no refuge could save the hearing enslaved from the terror of the flight or the gloom of the grave. Then to add insult to injury, they have a war veteran that they interviewed and he's dressed with his medals and medallions. And you got to understand racism and white supremacy. They got this white veteran that fought in the war and his exact quote is, they don't understand what that right entails. He said, I'm all for them having that right. But they don't understand what that right entails. As if we some dumb motherfuckers. We understand what our rights are. It's America that don't recognize those rights. We understand what the rights are. And we understand what that anthem represents. But the most troubling part of this interview was where this young man that's 10 years old said that he is scared of what they're going to do next. No child should ever be scared to go to school. This is why we have to take our kids out of the public school systems and send them to African-centered school. And then we find out that the teacher consultant is the one that brutalized and assaulted this young man. And her job and responsibility is to train other teachers. So I'm going to assume that the teachers that she trained also have this same mindset. I wouldn't be wrong for assuming that. So family, we have to get our kids out of this education system. And this is the reason why... I put out documentaries such as Elementary Genocide. That documentary series is more than a documentary. It's a call to action. I get individuals now that's asking me, when is part four coming out? There will be no part four. If you didn't get what I was saying in part one, part two, or part three, then you just ain't going to get it. You're going to always and forever remain a colonial subject and a low-frequency slave to the system of racism and white supremacy because you didn't get it, because you didn't understand, because you wasn't courageous enough to stand up for the truth and take your kids out of that public school system and put them in an Afrocentric school system. To homeschool them You'd rather send them to your open enemy 
why would we ask any African-American child or citizen to stand up and honor a flag with an anthem written by a slave owner who promised nothing but turmoil the blacks to the grave? What we're going to do now is play the audio from a news clip about the acquittal and not guilty verdict of Jason Stockley and why that determination was reached by the judge as well as the response from the community and the response from the deceased unarmed man that was murdered by this police, the response from his brother. We're going to go to that audio clip right now. So I'm going to go through kind of the how things played out here this morning. Okay, this case, uh, preparations for possible protests happened around 8 a.m. in St. Louis, and a judge ruled on uh, ruled today in the murder trial of a white former police officer who fatally shot a black suspect. Jason Stockley's first-degree murder trial concluded August 9th, and St. Louis has been on edge waiting for Judge Timothy Wilson's ruling. Stockley testified he shot Anthony Lamar Smith in 2011 because he thought the drug suspect was reaching for a gun. Prosecutors say Stockley planted the weapon. Media reports and preparation announcements from officials indicate that Wilson would rule Friday, and the ruling just came out. So the next update we had, a judge acquitted a white former St. Louis police officer of first-degree murder in the shooting death of a black man following a high-speed chase in 2011. Circuit Judge Timothy Wilson issued his ruling Friday against 36-year-old Jason Stockley. Stockley could have been sentenced to up to life in prison without parole had he been convicted. Stockley Stockley shot 24-year-old Anthony Lamar Smith five times after a high-speed chase. Stockley says he saw Smith holding a gun before the chase began and that he felt he was in imminent danger when he opened fire. Prosecutors allege that Stockley planted a gun in Smith's car after he shot him. A gun in the car had the officer's DNA on it, but not Smith's. Stockley left the police force in 2013 and moved to Houston. For those that are just joining us, we are talking about the not guilty verdict in the Jason Stockley case. And we're going to go to a clip of the deceased brother. Out in front of St. Louis City Police Headquarters, all is quiet right now. Protesters were here earlier making their voices heard, asking for interim police chief Lawrence O'Toole to step down. They have since left. Joining us now is Antoine Johnson. He is the brother of Anthony Lamar Smith. Antoine, thank you very much for coming into your time, sir. I'm sorry for your loss, for your family's loss. Our condolences. Your reaction to the judge's verdict this morning, your thoughts, your emotions today. Man. The judge ain't do his job. He on the way to retire. So he care less about the case. The whole time the trial was going on, that man was falling asleep at his stand. So he wasn't paying attention to the case. He already had his mind made up of what he wanted to do way before the trial even started and everything. That's why the barricades and stuff up all around downtown. But they posed ahead. We weren't supposed to say nothing about the trial or nothing, but everybody downtown, they already knew the outcome of this. Antoine, your emotions about your reaction to the demonstrations today in the wake of the verdict, is that the right thing to do? Do you support those efforts? Your your thoughts? I talked with your mom briefly on the phone 
earlier this morning, she was obviously distraught, upset, talking about still finding or trying to find justice for her son. Your thought about the, uh, the demonstrations ongoing? Man, we ain't done with this case. That was state. It's federal. It's um, Supreme Court. We pushing it up on everything because my brother ain't just going to go down like that. Stockley committed a murder. He got to be withheld for his actions. All his actions that he did, he got to be held accountable for it. Him, Biaki, he can't plead the fifth next time because it ain't over. We still go push it. If we got to go out of town and go get other lawyers or whatever, we still go push it. We need justice for Anthony Smith. So you guys intend to take this case further than just this verdict today? Yes, this case, this case ain't over. It, it could be my last damn breath on pushing this case. I'm pushing this case regardless. Stockley, him and his family is not finna just sit back and be happy, y'all. He got off on a free murder when he said he was gonna murder this man. This man locked me up eight days before he killed him and was like, oh, where your brother's at? Where your brother's at? Man, come on now. Then eight days later, you kill him. Anthony, let me ask you, the protesters uh -huh. today. Then Biaki, he pleading the fifth. How you pleading the fifth? You an accessory to murder of me and this man right here was to go kill somebody. And if I kill somebody and he was with me, he'll be charged with it too. But he could plead the fifth and not do nothing. Anthony, let me ask you, the group today has called to shut various things down, the economies of St. Louis. Do you believe things should be shut down? What should your action be as a community in response to this decision? Man, we coming together. We go shut it down. Shut it down. Ain't no money go get made. Ain't no money go get made. We all just need to come together as people and just knock these other people out the box. The judicial system, they don't care about us. The justice system, they don't care about us. We out here, this, these laws not made for us. They not. They made for y'all. To be honest, they made for y'all. This stuff ain't made for us, man. None of it. Y'all, we need to all come together. We need to stop buying true religions and rocks and all. All right, family, we just finished watching the video and we played the audio for you to see. And this was the audio from Jason Stockley, former police officer that killed our brother and killed him in cold blood. So I have my lovely co-host Ashton Brian here with me. So Ashton... Your thoughts, your opinion, you've seen it. What's the verdict? Because according to white America, it's a not guilty verdict. Well, what was the charge <laughs> is my question. If if the verdict is not guilty, what was the charge? He's, he's definitely guilty of murder, you know? He, he, he killed, and from what I understand, an unarmed man. Um, but I don't, like, we do this every week. We do this every week. We, somebody, one of ours gets murdered every week and there's an officer that gets to go home to his family every week. So at this point, it's like, are we just mad for the sake of being mad or are we going to do something? Because I'm tired of talking about this shit. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I just wonder how far we are, how far removed we are from getting this shit cracking. Like, honestly speaking, from, from really defending ourselves and really removing ourselves from this, from American paradigms that keep us getting murdered.
repeatedly, weekly, daily, the paradigms that make us feel like we have to march to be heard. Like, man. We both sat here. We both watched it. And one thing that we can agree on is that before they could always change the narrative and they always got that trick in their bag. Now it's almost like it doesn't there's no even there's no yeah, it don't it, they don't need a trick. I'm white and I say so. If we continue to see that I'm white and this is what it is, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I, <laughs> I really I don't get it. Like if if we see that this is what it is, then are we going to do something about it? I will tell you one thing. There is a current protest that's going on in St. Louis. And if you turn on the news, they will say that these are rioters. Those are not rioters. The natives are upset. The natives are restless. And there's going to come a time that it's not just going to be a riot. It's going to be an all-out war. We ready for war. Let's get it cracking. If we're not ready, then we need to go to Africa, South America, wherever, whatever island you feel, whatever country you feel com most comfortable at, which that's a whole nother conversation because if we were smart, we would go ahead and start investing in those places anyway and get our, 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 our situations together so that we do have a place to go, but that's neither here nor there right now. So either we're going to be ready for it or we not. I mean, war is inevitable. So where where do you fall into this place of, well, eventually we're going to get tired of marching. Eventually we're going to get tired of getting killed by the police. Eventually, eventually, eventually. But it's like, shit. I mean, it looked to me like we be 10 steps to eventually and 20 steps back to hands up, uh, don't shoot. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... I, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm baffled. Well, I can tell you this, right? We at that point. And as human beings, as social beings, we are born with two instincts. And that's fight or flight. Guess what? Many of us been running for 400 years. And now our back is against the wall. Can't run no more. You're going to have to fight. You're going to be forced to fight because your life is going to depend on it. And you ask a common ask question, and that is, are we ready? Most people will say, no, we're not ready. We don't manufacture guns. They own all the guns in the world. Well, guess what? During the Haitian Revolution, they didn't own no guns neither. But somehow, when the enemy was killed, their gun was retrieved. And our grandfather and our great-grandparents' generation was the Moses generation. They was looking for the promised land. So what did they get? They got the Civil Rights Bill. This is the Joshua generation. And in the Joshua generation, when you look in the Bible and you look at the parable, the elders was telling them, no, you can't go and fight. That is a giant. That Joshua generation was fearless, and they went on, and they fought, and they was victorious. This is that generation. This is the most fearless generation 
of black Americans. That's cool that this is the most fearless. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but this is the most, that's cool that you say that this is the most fearless. Um, this generation is the most fearless group of, of Africans. But with that, this is also the most complacent group. This is also the most comfortable group. This is also the most stagnant group. This is also the most slap me twice and I'm still going to offer you my hand in acceptance group. That fearless shit is cool, but what are we doing with it? You know what? You're right. This is This generation is complacent, but guess what? White America is making it where you can't be comfortable no more. Those that were complacent, those that are millionaires, and those that work and live in the ivory towers, they're not even comfortable no more. They're scared. They know that in any given day, you know, the the, the amount of money they make, the PhDs, the MDs, or whatever letters they have before and after their name, ain't going to be written on that toe tag when they get stopped and killed by these race soldiers that's out here masquerading as police. So, I just want to say, man, this is a very unfortunate situation. And those brothers and those sisters that are on the front line in St. Louis fighting for justice, y'all keep fighting. Victory is certain. And be strategic in everything that you do. And for those that want to say there's a right way to do it, let the courts handle it. The courts ain't handling it right. They, they still sleep. It, it's time to take it to the streets. No, yeah, they still sleep. I'm not even trying to have no debate, no, no reasonable argument, no meeting of the minds with nobody that's resting. I, I can't help you when you can't help me. When you wake up, when you rubbing your eyes... And you ready to receive, you know, then we can we can chat. But I'm not I'm not I'm not talking to no sleep people. Not I'm not saying and, and please don't misunderstand me when I say that by saying I'm woke and I'm this and I'm that. I'm just saying I'm not talking to no I ain't having a conversation with nobody that would say something as ignorant as let the courts handle it. I'm not having a conversation with nobody that would say something as misinformed as the system will work itself out. Uh we ain't got nothing to talk about. Yeah, we got to get off of that, black people. It's one thing, man, for us to sit down and try to strategize what we're going to do and how we're going to move forward as a people. And then it's just like they always come from the same playbook. You're going to have the politicians that say that's why we need to vote. We can vote them out of office. But um, certain judges, you know, they get them off of the bench. But this particular judge, he's about to retire. So, you know, it is what it is. A mental, a spiritual, as well as a physical war. And some of us just think it's spiritual. And we don't worry about the physical. And some of us shouldn't worry about the physical. But we have enough of us that's out here that's warriors that we have to fight this physical war whether we want to or not. Oh man, I guess we all have a lot to to think about and a lot to to process as far as where do we stand within this war or or if it if this is a war at this time, where where are we? What what role do we play? Cuz every got everybody got to play a part. Whether 
you the nigga on the front line or the nigga that can't come. Everybody got a part to play. So. And we're going to end this with this quote from Ida B. Wells. And she says, a Winchester rifle should have a place of honor in every black home. And it should be used for that protection which the law refused to give. This was a black woman. And when the black woman speak and the black woman get upset, that is the crucial moment in time that a lot of these handkerchief head Negroes is going to realize that we at war and we take up arms. As soon as the women start getting in the street and start saying, yo, look, what you going to do? Then I think that will motivate a lot of these brothers that ain't already taken to the streets and mad and got a lot of righteous rage in them and ready to protect their community by any means necessary. Because we can't be having these town hall meetings, these community events, and when you have community events, you got the chief of police there, you have the mayor there, and then you have the preacher there, and then, you know, the community relation, and we have to talk, and we have to build better communication. Nah, listen, it's beyond that. It's past that. Then you have the politician that's saying, you know, we have to vote. And once we exercise our vote, we got to exercise our power. Right now, more than ever, we have more black legislative leaders in the Senate, in Congress, and nothing has changed. Whatever the, our, our version of insanity has become a whole different level of insanity because what do they say? The definition of insanity is to repeat the same thing over and over again. We seem to repeat the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And then expect different results. And it's not, there are no different results to this. Like, it, we have to just change up the method because our PTSD got us all fucked up. And we need to use that shit to to win <laughs> um but this jamil hill thing kind of threw me for a loop i was listening um to the radio this morning to Sirius this morning and a lot of people are really upset and you know as far as like being in her favor um of her basically going on twitter and calling the president a uh, white supremacist white supremacist um however you say that um and basically just comparing her, funny enough, comparing her to Trump, who has said so many ignorant things on Twitter. But I think what people fail to realize, and I'm not, I am playing devil's advocate, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm just stating a fact. Because um, I, cause I, I, I fuck with her. Like, I'm on her side. I totally agree with what she did. And I pray she don't apologize. Like, I pray she stand her ground. Like, fuck you and, and fuck an apology. But the difference between Jamil Hill tweeting on her private page, if you want to call it that, and Donald Trump tweeting on his private page is he was self-employed. And Jamil Hill works for, is employed by a public, um, what, public forum, I guess, if you will. White corporate exactly. conglomerate. So I... 
I want people to, because a lot of people are saying, um, which she shouldn't be fired. That that's ridiculous. That we can't, we don't have freedom of speech anymore. But people are saying how it's no different from when Donald Trump tweeted this about Hispanics or when he tweeted this about Obama. Da da da. da. It's a huge difference in the fact that he was self-employed, so he didn't have to answer to anybody about his tweets or about the things that he said. And I'm not. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm just saying it is what it is. And that furthermore goes to the point of us literally having our own. And um, yeah, that just kind of, I don't know, it was, it was um, on, my, on my mind, this whole Jamil Hill thing, because shit is, man, like shit is boiling right now. It's bubbling and it's it's been bubbling for a long time. It's all, it's, it's. You know, like, I feel like when my parents were my age, it was at this simmer. And, you know, you could feel the heat. But now it's like the pot, the top is bubbling off the fucking pot. And I think people inside are really scared, honestly. I think everybody is, because this, I just feel like we're in uncharted territory as far as so many people are coming together against this president, yet nothing is changing. Nothing is happening. He's still able to do and say what he pleases while this woman um, is being vilified for speaking her mind, which I never knew that we couldn't speak our... Even, even fucking when Kanye West said George Bush doesn't care about black people on, 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 na- on fucking national television... George Bush didn't do shit. You know what I'm saying? It was like, oh, well, that's his that's his right. If that's how he feels about me, so be it. You know, I love black people, but hey, Kanye wants to say that, he can go ahead and say that. But with this president, it's like, it's this is turning the same way Donald Trump doesn't like uh Kim Jong-un. You, ugh, Kim Jong-un. He's the same exact person. You're a dictator. It's getting to the point where I feel like we live in a in a in a um, not a dictatorship, but a um, what's it called? What is China? Communist. I feel like we live in a, a like a communist. I don't even know if communism is the right word for what we live in. It's like a, things are just changing, and I don't know if things are changing as much as they're just staying the same. And it's just a magnifying glass on what's always been. We need to have an exit strategy. And an exit strategy might be a war here. How do we, your exit strategy might be, how do we repair after all this shit that's about to go down goes down? Your exit strategy might be, how do I get up my money so I can buy a home in a whole nother country and get out of here? I don't know, whatever. It's like I said, there's no wrong way, but we got to... You got to have a strategy, period. And I just think a lot of us think this shit is a game. Now, I want to go back to what you were saying about Donald Trump when he was tweeting. He was an employee. He he wasn't an employee. He was self He was self-employed. As a matter of fact, not only was he self-employed, he was an owner. Therefore, he could say what he wanted to say. And nobody, he wouldn't be reprimanded by anybody. The most that would happen is people would get upset. You know what I'm saying? But with Jamil Hill, it's different. And people are using this this argument of, well, it's her private Twitter. There's no such fucking thing. Especially when you're 
a public figure working under something else. Period. I'm sorry, but that's just what it is. Like, But what people are not taking into account, and this is the same thing that happened when Donald Trump tweeted out about Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. about him not being able to find a team owner that would take him and that he remains unemployed. Like, now you're messing with negotiation and with the with the trade union. And as a, a, a politician and as the president of the free world, you're stopping someone from being employed. That, that, that is against the law. And also, right, there's a federal law that states certain government employees, including any executive branch employees, are prohibited from inf- influencing the employment decision or practice of a private entity or company solely on the basis of partisanship and political affiliation. So therefore, calling for the firing, the White House press secretary that condemned the tweet and said it was a fireable offense, and then people in the White House that's calling for this sister to be fired, you can't do that according to federal law. But guess what? We know they don't respect the law. We know they don't respect the law. Donald Trump, I swear, I think he goes to bed. For one thing, I don't think he likes being president, but that's a whole nother conversation. I think he goes to bed like real excited, like, I run this shit. I am the law. I'm the law. Like, I really think that's that's what is in his mind. But, I mean, like I said, I'm just happy she didn't apologize. Like, that's my whole thing. Don't fucking apologize. Like, stand your ground. And, and if there was a black station for... I also respect her co-host who said, I'm not hosting no show without her. And I respect the two other black uh, hosts that declined to 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 host the show for that night because they saw that that shit is wrong. But if we had a a BSPN, a black sports <laughs> whatever, then she would have a home to come to automatically. Come on, sis, they don't want you, we'll fuck with you. We got money and we got a slot for you. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I mean by strategizing and getting our shit together. And you know what? It's very profound that you say that because that brings me back to when we had the Negro Baseball League. This was the biggest baseball league in the world. There were stadiums in every major city. So not only was all the players and the owners of the Negro Leagues black, the stadium was owned by blacks. The food, the concession stand, and they was and they was packed. But you know what happened? You had someone called Babe Roof. Then you had um what's the what's the what's the baseball player? Uh Jackie Robinson. You had someone called Jackie Robinson that integrated into the major league baseball. And then from there, a lot of the best players in the Negro League started going to the Major League. So the attendance 
for the for the baseball games went down and then before you know it there was no more Negro League, and it was just the major league. And this is a problem because they was making money, they were self-sufficient, but a lot of you handkerchief-head Negroes believe that the white man ice is colder. Oh, my God. And- I was literally thinking the same thing. Like, for some strange reason, it's always a group of us, of niggas, of us, that truly and somewhere in our heart and souls believe that the white man ice tastes better and for some reason it's chillier. It, it provides a better chill for your fucking water. And for the life of me, I can't understand that because the most intricately genius thing about white supremacy is, this is white supremacy, right? This this is white supremacy in a nutshell that seems to have, have Negro mesmerized like a fucking snake charmer. I ain't never seen no shit like it in my life. White supremacy is, okay, they're churning their own butter, right? But they butter just something off, right? So one day, a white person goes to a, a village in a different place, right? And they just so happen to see some butter. And they're like, oh, okay, well, the, the butter over here is a little bit cheaper, let me taste it. I might be able to bring some back to the house. So they go over to the, you know, taste taste the butter. The fucking butter's phenomenal. They don't know how the butter tastes like this. They don't know what the fuck they did to get the butter to taste like this. All they know is this butter don't taste shit like the butter we making over here in Caucasoid land, right? So they hook up with the with, with the Africans making the butter. And they like, hey, what's up? We need to figure out how y'all making y'all butter like this. So the Africans is like, man, we got plenty of butter. Y'all take all this butter we got right here. We'll make some more butter. And you come back when you're ready for some more butter. Okay, cool. The Caucasoids take the butter back to Caucasoidville. Caucasoids is tripping. They like, look, this is the best butter we ever tasted. The whole Caucasoidville is going crazy because this is the best butter they've ever fucking tasted. The elder Caucasoid says, hey, man, I see y'all brought all this butter back. But how are we going to make this butter ourselves? We need to figure out a way to convince these people that they butter ain't shit. So in the meantime, while we telling them they butter ain't shit, we going to have them eating our butter. And on top of that, we going to get their butter recipe. This is fucking white supremacy. Like, we can have, we had a black Wall Street. We had our own doctors. We had our own teachers. We was nepotism like a motherfucker. We were the epitome of nepotism because that's all we had. When, when we were brought here, we didn't have no choice but to fuck with each other. We didn't have no choice but to kick it strong with each other. And some type of way, somewhere along the way, somebody said, hey, man, y'all taste this ice? This ice is way colder. This ice tastes real good. It tastes real refreshing. Mind you, it's the same fucking ice we had. But for some reason, it's like, I want that ice. I want to be a part of that bank. I want to go to that school. I want to shop at that grocery store. Meanwhile, I'm in fucking Cascade in the West End and I see a whole bunch of white people. But y'all ain't offended. Y'all ain't up in arms about the fact that it's white people moving into these neighborhoods and kicking you and your granny out. Y'all can't afford to live here no more. It's a, I, I can count one white person, literally, and that's, and that's a part of my ignorance because this is what I, I've seen recently. One white person I can literally count on one hand that moved into an impoverished neighborhood in the hood, if you will, and gave back to the community because he knew exactly what gentrification was. Don't, sorry, don't get me started. I'm going off on a tangent, Raheem. 
Nah, it's cool, sis. You know, you just got to speak your mind, and that's what it's all about. But you're definitely right. If we're not dealing with racism and white supremacy, we're dealing with those that believe that the white man ice is colder. If we ain't dealing with that, we're dealing with gentrification. And there was a lot of people, and I being one of them, that felt that the election of Donald Trump was probably going to be the best thing that happened to black people because he was going to show that white America really don't give a fuck about the Negro population or the populace and that we was going to be forced to deal with each other and to rely on each other as we did in the days of the old. But you know what? Welcome social media. Because if you go through my Facebook feed from last week, I'm arguing with individuals, my own people. Oh, you always talking that black stuff. What else you want to talk about? You know, it ain't always black and white. And, and, I'm, and I'm talking about, man, you had people defending Donald Trump. You had people defending Amarosa. And they, they, I posted this on my Facebook, right? There's a picture of a whole bunch of stamps that are made in Mexico. And they have us depicted with big lips and big nose and looking like gorillas and wild animals. And, and, and they have a, fa a cartoon that's a favorite in Mexico where these characters come from. And how they depict black people. So guess what? I posted that up there. And I said, and y'all wonder why I'm not supporting DACA. And I'm not trying to offend nobody. But I'm just saying what's Listen, been proven fact. <laughs> let the chip fall where it may. <laughs> it's been proven fact. This is not me just saying this. It's been studied and proven. I'm sure maybe it's changed by now. I'm sure it has with this era of, you know... Every color protesting. But it's been proven that Hispanics, um, I don't want to sound ignorant and say Mexicans because that's not, you know, the right context. But Hispanics don't necessarily feel the need to be a part of our fight. That's been that's been proven time and time again with different studies that it didn't it didn't directly affect them what we were going through. Now, there were a few, you know, that chose to fight, march, protest, whatever with us. But for the most part, if it didn't affect them, they wasn't really tripping. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they was going to be straight regardless. Until, it wasn't until America really started cracking down. Like, really started being on some asshole shit about immigration and about... This is before Donald Trump and his whole stupid ass wall shit. This is, when was this? Like George Bush or was it Clinton that when they really started cracking down on, on um, like as far as ICE, as far as Border Patrol, was that Bush or Clinton? I can't quite remember. But it was around one of those presidencies where they weren't fucking around. It no probably more. was both of them. It might have been both. I, I vaguely remember when shit got really, really, really real. 
But then it became, it wasn't just us. It wasn't just black people as a target anymore. They became a target as well. And that's when it became, you know, we need to fight with each other. We're all equal. Da, 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 da. But it's, it's, it's a long history of, you always had those select few whites, those select few Hispanics, those select few Afro, you know, Latinos or whatever that would fight with us. But for the most part, it was, oh, that's y'all problem. Y'all can handle it. And let me tell y'all this, right? I don't have problems with Mexicans. I don't, you know, Latinos. I don't have problems with them. In fact, you know, especially when you deal with the Puerto Ricans, if you understand the history and you understand the Taino Indians, which they are descendants from, you know, you understand that they are African in their origin. A lot of people don't know that history. Y'all do y'all research. I'm not your history teacher today. Now, this is what I will say. The only difference between a lot of us, whether you Jamaican, you Dominican, you Puerto Rican, you know, you consider yourself, I don't know, Panamanian, is a boat stop. Some of us went to the Caribbeans. Some of us came to the United States. That's it. And we have to realize that, that we don't have to be uniformed in our opinion, but we need to be unified in our struggle. And we are not unified in our struggle. Why do I say that? Because they only look for the support of black people when it benefits them. They don't show up when Trayvon Martin got killed. They didn't show up when Tamir Rice got killed. And we have to understand that, yes, there's a grave injustice that's being done to them. But I told individuals that that's not my fight. I'm standing out of it. And I'm not encouraging other people to do it. I just said, I'm not doing it. And people got mad. You know what my fight is? My fight is for today's youth. My fight is to eradicate the school, the prison pipeline. Because like Frederick Douglass said, I would rather teach and train the youth than trying to repair broken old men. So that's not my fight. And in closing, this is what I'm going to tell you. When was the last time you seen a Mexican fighting for reparations for Africans? You never seen it. You never going to see it. So don't ask me, do I support DACA? I support reparations for Africans aboard and beyond. I don't, I'm not, um, I probably know what DACA is the way I know my math, which is not a lot. So yeah, I don't, I'm not really familiar with DACA. I've heard of it. I know surface information, so I can't really speak on it. Not going to speak on it. Um, I don't think it's anything wrong with nepotism. I think the Asians have mastered nepotism and I wish we could do the same cause we used to. So 
I feel like if you own a liquor store and all you want to employ is white people, you go right ahead. If you're a white owner, if you own a liquor store, you're Asian and all you want to employ is Asian people, go right ahead. If you own a shoe store and you black and all you want to employ is black people, go right ahead. I mean, some people might look at that as discrimination. I don't look at it as discrimination. If I own my own shit and all I want to employ is my family, that's what the fuck I'm going to do. And can't nobody stop me. And should nobody be upset about me wanting to see my own people do better. I don't know. It always seems to be an issue when black people, it's like I said, white supremacy is genius because some type of way everybody can be racist now. I love that. I love that a, a white person can come up to me and call me a racist. You know what I'm saying? Because it just seems so funny to me that when everybody else does something, it's a term for that shit. It's a proper fucking, you know, it's a term for it. It's a real life dictionary term. But when we do that shit, we're angry. We're racist. We're this, we're that. And I just, I think that shit is funny how the double standard always comes back um, not in our, in our favor. So, so like the same thing with the Jamil Hill thing. If Donald Trump says something about President Obama, he's not a racist. But if Jamil Hill calls Donald Trump a white supremacist, she's a racist. This shit is baffling to me. So I don't know. It just seems like when we do things that are for the betterment of us or for or they're in our favor, people are up in fucking arms. It's like people are so offended and it's like people are so taken aback that we would defend ourselves. People are so taken aback that we would take pride in certain things that has have to do with us. People are taking aback that we would defend those that are in our front lines. And when I say those, I mean those such as Jamil Hill and um, and Colin Kaepernick. I don't mean those such as Ray Lewis and fucking... I don't know. The list could go on and on. Fucking Floyd Mayweather, Omarosa. Like I said, the list can go on and on. So, yeah, that's another thing that that's one of the I think the most disheartening things is knowing that when other people do something, it's okay, But when we do the exact same thing, it's a problem. Like it's a huge issue. And the whole country has an opinion constantly about us and how we move and what we do, but we can't have an opinion about anybody else. All right, that's it for us right here at Necessary Blackness Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you tune in each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. This is a special edition. This is a special edition. We just felt the need to come on here and, and talk to the family. Um, a lot of y'all been sending me texts, and I got about three emails within the last 24 hours. Where is the co-host? Because <laughs> they have been missing in action. And I know I've been trying to hold it down by, by myself, and we need that feminine energy here. So we got Ash and Beyond today, and you never know, Wednesday we might have Ash and Beyond and the goddess Fumi. But I wouldn't hold my breath on that. It's hard getting two of them in the same building. And, you know, that's that's a lot of energy. And it's good energy because energy can be created, but it can't be destroyed. And we're not going to let our open enemy destroy the energy 
that we have. We're not going to let them destroy the unity that we have. We're going to keep fighting. And remember, victory is certain. And one thing for certain and two things is for sure that you cannot give up. You have to continue to fight because there's another generation that's coming behind you. And, and we ain't raising no pussy. And we ain't raising no backtrackers. And we ain't raising no I'm a sorry masses. And we ain't raising no throw money up in the air. We ain't raising no money phone niggas. We ain't raising none of that. I'm not rearing no ignorant ass black children, point blank, period. None of the people around me are rearing no ignorant ass black children, point blank, period. Peace and black power. This is necessary blackness where it's necessary to be black, remain black, and stay black. See you next week. And remember, I want you to send me an email. Why you like elementary genocide one and why it's important for documentaries such as this magnitude to be released and leave a review on iTunes. Take a screenshot of that review and email it to Necessary Blackness Podcast at Gmail. And guess what? Two lucky winners is going to receive Elementary Genocide 1, the School to Prison Pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. And that is the award-winning docu-series by your boy. So holla at me, man. I'll see y'all next week, man. Peace and black power.